0: Ask you first of all. I just want to get you primed and ready for this. So this, this morning, I want you to look at my face. All right, that's a lot to ask for some of you to look at my face. Tell me, what what expression do I have on my face? What am I expressing? Excitement. Excitement. <laughs> I didn't, see that. didn't see that. What did you see? Oh no. oh no. All right. How about okay? How about this? What expression is that? I just won the lottery? Oh, I don't know. Zoolander. That could be one. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's not very fair, because I'm not really a very expressive person. So, we're actually going to... I want you to look up on the screen. And uh, the picture on the screen will be of one of my favorite characters from Downton Abbey. Krista got Downton Abbey a couple of years ago as a Christmas present, and I was very hesitant to watch it. But after watching Maggie Smith on screen for uh, one episode. I was hooked. And part of the reason for that is because Maggie Smith's expressions are just, I find them hilarious. So what would you say she is expressing here? Seriousness? Okay, let's see the next pi- picture of, um, of Maggie Smith. Okay, so this is the second picture of Maggie Smith. What is she expressing here? <laughs> yeah, okay, there's one more picture, I think, of Maggie Smith. What is she expressing here? Who knows? That's that's what I love so much about this character in this show is that um, she's she plays a grandmother to this really wealthy family, and she's like she is so opinionated, and she has so much to say, but her expressions are just always kind of this sour look, and every time I see the show, I just laugh at her it's so. And I'm not sure it's meant to be a comedy, but I find it pretty funny. But anyhow, to be more fair, because that's not a very fair um, example this morning, I got, there's some pictures of Rowan Atkinson. And I picked Rowan Atkinson because I find his well, probably one of the most expressive faces in show business. So we'll look at Rowan Atkinson. What is he expressing here? Surprise. He's surprised. I think his, um, has anybody seen the Christmas special? His, his little teddy bear just got a new eye for Christmas, I think. All right, the next one. Anger, right? So you can't deny that. And uh, the next? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And one more? Actually, I think there's two more. Disgust. Yeah. Who knows? But that's a good. I just love that expression. I don't know what it is. So, um, my point this morning in all this is that there are some expressions that people have that are fairly universally recognized, right? Like there are certain expressions that you just can't deny. Um, and scientists have actually shown that there are seven universal facial expressions for people. Um, can anybody guess what? I want you guys to shout out what those expressions might be. A smile, what does that express? Happiness or joy. Anger, Anger sadness. Surprise. Disgust, sorry, peaceful, Peaceful. content, tired. Now, the last two are actually, did somebody say contempt and surprise? Contempt and Surprise. So I think we got just about all of them. So what I want you to notice from that list this morning is there's one expression that isn't actually on that list that we should all have, but it's not an actu- actually a universal expression, and there's really no way to express it. So to lead up to this, what was this past Thursday? thanksgiving it was american thanksgiving we had our thanksgiving a month or so ago and so this morning i want to talk about thanksgiving it was originally a celebration of god's goodness to us and uh, through the the bounty of the harvest and over the years it's become more of an uh, of a time to hang out with family and be thankful for all that we have and to be really to be kind of gluttonous um, So, although we've already celebrated Thanksgiving last month, I wanted to take an opportunity to talk this morning about gratefulness. And the interesting thing about being grateful is that it's something that I hope most of us feel grateful, but it's not something that we have a facial expression for. It's not something you can look at and say, well, that person is very grateful. It's something that has to be expressed verbally. So you either have to tell someone, thank you, or you can write a thank you note, but it's not something you can just look at them and say, they're thankful for something that I did for them. And so I actually got to thinking about this um, a couple of weeks ago. Krista and I were fortunate enough, well, I was fortunate enough to go away on vacation with Krista because she was shooting a wedding and. Um, took me along. So that was a great vacation. And I don't read a whole lot, but I'd read several books, probably about midway through the week. And I didn't want to read at this point. We were sitting by the pool, and I just didn't want to get into a new book. And so Krista had brought several magazines. And one of them, because it was Thanksgiving season, talked about thankfulness. And I won't tell you which, um, which magazine it was. Well, you can guess. But um, <clears throat> this, this magazine had an article talking about a gratitude journal, and I don't know if any of you do gratitude journaling, I don't actually do it, but it really got me to thinking about this whole idea of gratitude, and it's something that actually stuck with me, um, for the following week when I was preparing for, uh, a talk, and I just couldn't shake it, and so I took that, that was probably a sign that, that God wanted me to talk, or at least think more about gratefulness, and so I've spent a lot of time thinking about it over the past couple of weeks. Um, and so what I want to do this morning is look at a passage that I don't think is, is very often thought of as a passage about gratefulness um, that's found in the, in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible and you want to ch- turn to ch- Luke chapter 17, um, it'll also be up on the screen. But this is a story that I learned when I was a, a kid in boys' group and in Sunday school, um, back in the days of flannel graph. Everyone remember flannel graph? Flannel graph was awesome. It should make a comeback. But anyhow, I learned it as a, as a kid... But I've never, I'd never actually heard a sermon about it um, and, until I started preparing for this. And, uh, and so I wanted to talk about this passage. So it's Luke chapter 17, if you turn to verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where, where, Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So if you look at that passage, there's probably a dozen different things that you could take away from that passage. Probably none of the least of which would be the, the power of Jesus and his ability to heal people. And even to heal people from a distance. He didn't even have to lay hands on these people to heal them. Um, but, that's, but there's more to this passage than that. And what I want to look at is something that is a, a little bit of a, it might seem like a little bit of a sidetrack from this. But there's enough in this passage that I think it is probably one of the main points of this passage. And so I want to look at it from the perspective of a cond- Condemned man who was brought from death uh, back to life. So one of this one of the things that sets this account of the ten lepers apart from other accounts of Jesus healing in the New Testament is that this is actually one time of very few that, if you look through other passages where Jesus healed people, where someone actually came back to say thank you for what he had done. And that's what I'd like to like for us to think about this morning is is uh, the. the 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 part of the passage where we have gratitude for God's love and and the multitude of ways that he chooses to express that love to us. So I want to look at the passage a little bit more from the perspective of, uh, of the leper. And if you think about leprosy, it was a, a disease back in biblical times that really wasn't well understood. Um, we know it today as Hansen's disease. It's a disease that we can cure with antibiotics. But back then, it could have been any one of a, a whole bunch of different um, skin conditions. It could have been impetigo. It could have been probably eczema, ringworm, or psoriasis, or the, disease, um, that the skin condition that Michael Jackson had, the vitiligo that just changed his skin color. Um, but the problem with this is that lots of people were condemned to being unclean and living um, a, a life separated from their families and from their communities because they had a skin condition. And not only were they considered unclean because of the skin condition, but they were also considered—they um, were, they were considered to be basically— uh, unclean spiritually as well. And a lot of times they considered their skin condition to be a result of something that they had done in their spiritual lives, to be sort of a punishment for what they had done. And so for many it was kind of a death sentence. And uh, so once someone was declared to be a leper the individual was banished as a primitive means of quarantine. So they were cast out um, because of their affliction. And because they didn't have really good measures for infection control and whatnot back then, the best thing that they could do was put people outside of a camp. And I know about infection control because that's what I do for a living. And today, if we had someone who had an infection, we would put them in a room and we wear special protective clothing and all would be good. We wouldn't cast them out as lepers. But sometimes we do actually treat them a little bit differently. And so, um, interesting thing about this passage is that for, for the Hebrew people, if people that, that had certain illnesses were to stay with the community, it could have, could have caused severe illness in, in all sorts of people. It could have caused outbreaks. And, and so this was kind of a means of, of, of ensuring that infectious diseases didn't wipe out a whole village. And so once someone was declared a leper, they were banished as a primitive means of quarantine. They were forced to live in the wilderness in segregation and in isolation. And, um, And they were actually, they were required to dress differently, so they would wear different clothes. Sometimes they would wear a bell that would jingle so that when they approached, people would know that I need to stay clear of those people, or else they were forced to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people would know not to come near to them. And so the suffering in the lepers of biblical time wasn't just due to their physical condition, it was also due to the fact that they were treated completely differently by society. And, And Hopefully, we have different and better means of, of, uh, of isolating people and treating people today when they have cer- certain conditions. But sometimes, if you think about how we treat people who are differently, we treat people um, sometimes that maybe have a physical disability or a mental disability, people who are poor, people who might not speak the same as us, people who might look different or smell different from us. Sometimes we treat them just a little bit differently than we treat the other people around us. And I don't know why that is, um, but I do know that it, it's kind of sad and contrary to what God expects from us. God is love, and the nature of his love is for us to seek out loving, nurturing relationships with other people. No matter how foreign or different or displeasing or whatever they might be, God expects us to love them. But back in, in the biblical times, once, once people were excluded from their friends and families, they actually they would seek out the companionship of others that were like them. That kind of speaks to our need for companionship and our need for community. But they would seek out people who were like them, and so it was like it was. uh, They would form colonies of lepers. It was kind of um, a colony like this, a a leper colony. You could actually see these in in uh, developing countries like India and Africa today. But it was a colony like this that Jesus would have stumbled across in the wilderness um, that that leads us into this story. So there there was 10 lepers dressed in tattered rags. Their bodies were covered with lesions, crying at the top of their lungs. And for some reason, when Jesus approached them, it doesn't say that they yelled unclean. What the passage tells us is that when they saw Jesus, they yelled, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How did they know who Jesus was? That Luke doesn't tell us that, but what it does tell us is that in answer to their cry for mercy, Jesus responded with mercy and with love, because that's his nature, to love the unlovable, to touch the untouchable, to seek out the least and the lost and the last. So he told the lepers, go and show yourselves to the priests, and At that time, it was actually the priest. If someone had a condition that might be infectious, it was the priest that was required to say, you're unclean, you need to go and separate yourself from the rest of the people for this amount of time. But it was also the priest then who had the responsibility of saying, if someone had been healed somehow, you're able to come back and live with your family and live with your community. And so Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. And so they turned in obedience to Jesus and they were heading to go and see the priest, except one of them, turned back. Now, oftentimes when we look at this story, we look at the, we look at the other nine and uh, we say, well, you know, why didn't they turn back? Was it because, um, maybe because they were raised a little bit differently and maybe their parents hadn't taught them to be grateful. Maybe they were um, less, less righteous than the rest and they just didn't know that they should come back and that they should say thank you to Jesus. Or maybe, um, you know, who knows what, what the reason was. But what we often look at is why the other nine um, didn't obey Jesus, or obey Jesus' commandments and didn't return and say thank you. But now, if you think about putting yourself in this condition, imagine, um, imagine that you had a lifelong condition that made you sick and you had to be separated from people. Jesus came along and said, you're healed. What would you, and, and then he said, go and do something in response to that. What would you do? You'd probably respond and go and do exactly as Jesus commanded you to do. And yet, oftentimes, we look at those other nine and we say, my goodness, why didn't they just come back? They were doing exactly what Jesus had expected to them. But according to Luke, one of the lepers, seeing that he was healed, turned back to Jesus and praised God in a loud voice. Luke says he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And Jesus, in response to that, he said, weren't there 10 that were cleansed, but where are the other nine? It's an, kind of an interesting and confusing question. Where are the other nine? So he said to them, go and do this. And at the same time, he's asking, they, you know, they didn't come back. Where are they? He was doing ex- they were doing exactly as what would have been expected of them, to follow Jesus' commands. So what's unusual isn't that the other nine were following Jesus' commands, but that the one turned back to say thank you. And we don't know why that happened, but I kind of have a little bit of a theory, and you're not going to find it probably in any other books or any other commentaries or whatever. But my theory is that um, it has to do with who the leper was. Luke tells us kind of tongue-in-cheek, if you look back at that passage, he tells us that the one that came back was a Samaritan. So what we know about Samaritans is this, that the Jewish people considered them to be different enough. They actually considered them kind of to be like half-breeds. They considered them to be lowlifes, completely different, not people you would hang out with, not people you would associate with. And so for Luke to be writing to a Jewish audience and to say the one person that responded favorably, the one person that actually came back to say thank you was a Samaritan, that would have been a slap in the face to his audience. And so um, it's, it's in order for Luke to have included that in this passage, you would have to think that it's something pretty important, that there's something significant about that. So Jesus told the lepers to go and show themselves to the priests who could confirm that they had been healed. So my question is, could it be that the Samaritan didn't go and show himself to the priests because he was a Samaritan and didn't actually have a priest to go and show himself to? At that time, being a Samaritan, he wouldn't have been allowed to go into the temple because he was a half-breed. There might have been a sign on the top of the temple that said, no Samaritans allowed. It might have been that extreme. So it's just this theory, but if I'm right, there's some irony to that. And the irony is this, that being unrestrained from religious requirements or obligations, the Samaritan was the one who was actually free to live a life of gratitude to God. Isn't that interesting? He was free to linger in the company of Jesus and to say thank you because he wasn't weighed down by the expectations of religious love, fulfilling the love, fulfilling the expectations of others. And this is why I think that's important. And I don't want you to hear this wrong, but I think it's important because sometimes the church stands in the way of our experience the fullness and the grace of God. And I would never say that you shouldn't be part of a church. Every believer should be part of a faith community. Every believer should be part of a community of other followers and be able to worship together with them. But sometimes we get so caught up in the ritual, in the habit of going to church, in the ritual, in the habit of going to Bible study or to prayer meeting, and that becomes the completeness of our spiritual life, the the extent of our spiritual life. And sometimes we forget that Jesus works outside of the walls of the church, that Jesus works in our lives every single day. How many of you over the past couple of weeks when it snowed were like, great, a huge dump of snow. Now there's ice and I have to shovel. Probably most of us were pretty ticked at some of the snow. How many of you took the time to stop and to think? Every single one of those Billions and trillions and uncountable numbers of snowflakes that fell was a unique creation, was completely unique and different from each other one, was, was something beautiful that God created. It's amazing, but sometimes we just get so caught up in the form of worship and the established patterns of church life that we fail to experience the wonder and the awe of Almighty God. Like the nine lepers, we're so intent on fulfilling the, uh, the requirements of the law. Sometimes we fail to recognize the one who's come to give us life. The one who's come to give us life in abundance. The one who's give us, come to give us full life and hope and a joy and a future. But we're so busy doing what's expected of us, sometimes we fail to recognize that every moment, every day of our lives. And so I want to say, don't forget to say thank you. It's a word that we should be shouting to the other nine lepers. Don't forget to say thank you. Jesus has done so much in your life. But it's also a word that we need to hear ourselves. Don't get so caught up in the day-to-day busyness of life, in the day-to-day routines, that you forget to honor the one who's made it possible for you to have eternal life, who's made it possible for you to have full life, who's made it possible for you to have abundant life and hope and a joy and power to, and, and the power to live each day. Don't forget to say thank you. When, how many of you know who Henry Mancini is? A couple of you know, how many of you are familiar, have ever seen the show MASH or the movie MASH and are familiar with the theme song to that? How about the Pink Panther? Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. So Henry Mancini wrote both of those. He also wrote scores of other um, compositions that you've probably heard of. Um, and when he turned 65, his daughter realized that, you know, this was a significant time of his, of his life, and she wanted to say something meaningful to him, something that she hadn't said enough. And so she wrote a musical birthday card, and it went like this. Sometimes, but not often enough, we reflect on the good things in life, and our thoughts always center around those we love. And I think about those people who mean so much to me, who for so many years have made me so very happy. And I think about the times that I've actually forgotten to say thank you and how much I love them. So before you rush off to see the priest, that is for those of us who don't, who don't go to the priest, before we come, become so absorbed in trying to fulfill the expectations of the law, whether it's written or unwritten, the expectations of the people around us, the expectations of the church, don't forget to take a moment to stop and marvel at God's creation and bask in the warmth of his love, and to be grateful for all that he's done for us. And so here's my first reminder for you this morning. The good news is that Jesus died for you. The good news is that he's brought you from death to life. And not just life after life, but life every day. He's given us full, abundant joyful life. Don't forget that everything we have, everything that we are, everything that we hope to be, everything around us, all of our experiences, everything comes from him, is a gift from him. And let's make sure that we don't forget to say thank you. And the second reminder I have for you this morning is this. Don't forget to express gratitude to the people around you. Here's the thing about gratitude or about gratefulness. Most of us feel grateful. Most of us, you know, we're grateful for the people around us. We're grateful for what they do for us. But sometimes we don't express it. So most of us feel grateful, but we don't express it nearly as often as we should. And what I want you to take notice of this morning is this, that when we don't express gratefulness, it's actually not just that we're ungrateful. It actually can be dangerous to our relationships. Unexpressed gratefulness is dangerous when it comes to our relationships. And the reason for that is this. First of all, God created each one of us to be acceptance magnets. He created each one of us to be in relationship and to feel acceptance and to feel love and to express acceptance and to express love. We naturally gravitate towards the people and the groups who accept us. And I would guess that some of us here this morning are here because the first time we stepped foot in Kingsway, we felt accepted. We felt loved. We might not have known anybody, but when we stepped foot in the door, there was someone there to greet us, someone to say welcome. There were people that talked to us and made us feel like this was home. It was somewhere that we wanted to be, despite how we came. We might have come with shortcomings. We might have come with issues and with baggage, but there was someone here that loved you. So God created us to be acceptance magnets. The second part of this is that unexpressed gratitude equals ingratitude. It's not just not being grateful. When you don't express your gratitude, it communicates ingratitude. And you you might be thinking, how can that be? I'm grateful for all the things in my life. You know, I'm thankful that Krista does, you know, that Krista takes care of the kids every day and that she cleans and that she cooks. And Krista might say, I'm thankful that Mark goes to work every day. And, you know, we might say, I'm thankful for the people that I work for and that I have a job. I'm thankful that I have employees who help me to carry out the everyday business of my business. I'm thankful that I have a boss. I'm thankful for everything that the pastor does for me. I'm grateful. Deep down inside, I really appreciate all the things that those people do for me. But here's the question for you. I have no doubt that you're grateful, but what does it mean if you don't express that gratitude? It's like the age-old question. If a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, Does it actually make a sound? If you feel gratitude deep down inside you, but that doesn't come out somehow, is it actually gratitude? Unexpressed gratitude communicates ungratefulness. And even worse than that, ingratitude is actually a form of rejection. So think about it this way. How many of you have been to a birthday party of someone that you, you you really appreciated and you wanted to make sure that you got them the perfect gift for their birthday. And so you thought about it for a long time. And you hunted the malls and found the perfect gift. And you wrapped it just perfectly. And it it was like the most beautiful gift that you'd ever seen. And you went to the party and you put it down in the pile with the other gifts. And while they were opening their gifts, they opened that gift that you bought them and there were other gifts there. And they said, oh, great. Put it aside. And they weren't like, wow, that was the most amazing, thoughtful gift ever. How did you feel in that situation if that was you? I can tell you, you might have felt a little bit of rejection. Or how about this? Women, or for those of you who might be a little more on the domestic side, imagine that you had planned the perfect meal for your family, okay? So you, on Sunday, you got the, you know, you put your menu together, you put a shopping list together, you went out and you got all the ingredients, you came home early from work, you made, you spent hours in the kitchen laboring over this meal, you clean the kitchen, you clean the dining room, your family comes in, and uh, you call them down for dinner, and they don't come. And you call them again, and they're like, okay, just let me finish my game on the computer. And you call them again, and finally they show up at the table. And they show up, and they see this dish, and it's something different, and they're like, what's that? Right? And then they finally agree they're going to eat it, And you know it's good, and they know it's good, so they just, you know, they shovel through it, and and they're like, it was good food. But when they're done, they get up, and they leave without a word. How would you feel in that situation? If that's ever happened to you, I can bet that you probably feel unappreciated, maybe a little bit rejected. In a couple of days, Kristen and I will be celebrating 18 years of marriage. So... And um, for 18 years, Krista has repeatedly told me that the one thing that I need to do to express love to her, the one thing that I need to do to let her know that I love her is to acknowledge the things that she does for me. And for 18 years, I have been absolutely horrible at doing that. I never fully appreciated it until I started preparing for this talk today How important it is to make sure that the people who are important to you, to make sure the people that are the key people in your lives, need to hear the fact that you appreciate them. I never fully appreciated, for 18 years I never fully appreciated how much Krista actually needs to hear that I appreciate her and that I appreciate that she's in my life and the things she does for me. So for 18 years I've felt gratitude. For 18 years, I thought it was enough to just feel gratitude. I thought it was enough. I thought that gratitude would just, you know, emanate from me and she would feel, you know, she would feel that gratitude and she would know how grateful I was for her in my life. But it wasn't enough. See, here's the thing. You can't look at someone and tell that they're thankful. There is no expression for gratitude. There's no facial expression for gratitude. And so we need to make sure that we are very, very deliberate about telling the key people in our lives, the people that are important to us, to tell them that we're thankful for who they are and we're thankful for what they do. Because unexpressed gratitude has the same effect as rejection. If we don't tell them that we're thankful, it's like rejecting them. So here's the important thing about this. If you continue to be someone who doesn't express gratitude, who doesn't express thankfulness, you actually run the risk of driving the heart of those people out of the relationship. If we continue to refuse to express gratitude, we run the risk of driving the people we care about most out of our lives. Because they'll find another relationship. They'll find another group of people that are willing to say thank you that are willing to express gratitude. And that might not always be the most helpful people for them to be with, but they'll always be able to find some group that will express gratitude. Now, if you, if you don't believe me about the whole power of gratitude, think about this. Think about, take a second, and think about the people in your life, one that you would think of as being arrogant, and other people in your life who you would think of as being humble. So just take a second to think about those people. Now, those people that you think about, I can almost guarantee that the people that you thought of as being arrogant are the people that are least likely to express gratitude. The people that you thought of as being arrogant are the people that are most likely to feel like you owe them something. The most likely to feel like they're entitled. The people that would say, of course you would do that for me. You're my wife. Of course you would do that for me. You're my husband. Of course you would do that for me. You're my parents. Of course you're going to do my laundry. You're my parents. Of course you're going to pick up dog poop in the backyard. You're my kid and I told you to do it. Of course you're going to love and accept me. You're my pastor. You have to. Of course you would do that for me. I am somehow important and I deserve that. That would be the arrogant people in your life. And I can almost guarantee that those are the people in your life who, if you have a choice, would be the people that you are least attracted to, the people that you are least likely to gravitate to. Now, on the flip side of that, if you think about the humble people in your life, I can almost guarantee that those people are the people who go out of their way to say thank you. Those are the people who can't say thank you enough for the things that you've done for them. Even if it's something that you wouldn't think twice about doing, it's something you would do for anybody. You, won't go out of your, you didn't go out of your way to do it. It's just one of those things that you do. Those people will go out of, your, out of their way to say thank you, to bend over backwards, to make sure that you feel appreciated for what you've done. And I can, it's almost embarrassing how grateful those people can be sometimes because they're just so grateful saying thank you so much. But I can almost guarantee... That those are the people that you will be most attracted to in life. The people who express gratitude. So isn't it interesting that you've never met an arrogant person who's grateful and that you're probably not too attracted to arrogant people. And it's interesting that you've never met a humble person that isn't extraordinarily grateful and that you wouldn't be automatically drawn to and you wouldn't want to spend time with. But here's... Uh, Here's what I want you to take away from this this morning. There were 10 lepers. Only one of those lepers returned to Jesus to say thank you, the grateful one. We'll call him the returner because he's the one who actually came back and returned to Jesus. Now, in all of our lives, there are probably dozens of people who have done something that has allowed us to move forward in life. Because either we were stuck or we didn't have the opportunity to move forward. We were just at a place in our lives where we needed people to to build into us. And we all have those people in our lives. Whether it's people who have educated us or people who have provided us with a job or people who have provided us with an opportunity that we wouldn't have had otherwise or people who have just loved and embraced us and walked alongside us to allow us to move forward. We have dozens of people like those in our lives. And that was the case with the ten. None of those ten lepers could have moved forward from where they were on their own. They were stuck in life. They were living alone, in isolation, away from their families. They had no opportunity. And they could not have moved forward without Jesus' help in their lives, without Jesus pouring into their lives and healing them. And yet only one of those returned. One was a returner. One went back To the person that enabled him to move forward to say thank you. So the question is this this morning. Are you willing for the rest of your life in all of your key relationships to be that one? To be a returner? For some of us that'll mean swallowing our pride and I know because that is me. For some of us it'll mean putting ourselves in situations where it just feels uncomfortable and it's not natural to us. But I guarantee if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to be a returner, if you're willing to be grateful, it is worth it. For most of us, there are important people in our lives who just assume that they already know how grateful that, they are, that we are for the things that they've done for us. But I guarantee you they don't always know. They don't have ESP. They can't read your mind and they can't read the expression that says, I'm thankful. So for some of us, if we are willing to be the returner, if we're willing to be the one, it will be a break in relationships that might otherwise never be able to move forward. For some of us in our marriages, if we're willing to be the returner, if we're willing to be the one, it could be the break in your relationship that makes it or breaks it. For some of you, If you're willing to be the one, the returner with your kids, willing to be humble enough to say thank you to your kids for the things that they bring to your life and the things that they do, I can guarantee you that it can be a game changer in that relationship. For some of you kids who have never said thank you to your parents or who don't say it often enough, I can guarantee you, if you were to start saying thank you to your parents for doing the laundry, for... uh, Cooking meals, for doing the little things in life, it will be a game changer. I've actually started to notice recently with Eden that she cannot be thankful enough. And it just totally changes my heart towards her. She says, Thank you for me. Dad, thanks for cooking that meal. Dad, thanks for driving me to choir. And it totally, it's totally changed my heart. For some of us, if we're willing to swallow our pride, it can be a game changer. It might be tough. It might not feel natural, but I want to challenge you this morning when you go out to the parking lot before you turn the key in your car, I want to challenge you to stop, to look at the person sitting beside you, to look them in the eye, to think about something that you're grateful for. And don't just think about it. Don't just feel it. Say it. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for all that you do for me. And I guarantee you, God will bless you for that. It could be a game changer. And I'll tell you what, God will honor that, just like he honored the one who returned. Jesus said to him, weren't there 10 that were cleansed? Weren't there, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except this foreigner? Rise and go. Not only are you healed, but your faith has made you well. So why don't we decide today that we are going to be the one? We're going to be the returner. We're going to go back to the ones who enabled us to move forward. We're going to go to the people in the key relationships in our lives. We're going to let them know how appreciative we are of all that they do for us. And if we do that, I guarantee that God will honor that. He'll honor those relationships if we decide that we're going to be the ones. So I want to remind you this morning of two things. Be thankful for all the things that you see around you, for all the small blessings in life, and for the big blessings in life that come from God. Be thankful for the relationships that we have. Be thankful for the snowflakes that fall. Be thankful that we have all that we have and that we have a Savior that loves us. We have a Holy Spirit that guides and counsels and directs us. And be thankful for the people in our lives and make sure, make sure that you express that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are in our lives, that you have chosen us. We thank you that you love us Enough to send your Son to die for us. Enough to send the Spirit to be with us every minute of every day, to guide us and to direct us. Help us to notice the Spirit in our lives. Help us to notice all that you do around us each and every day and to be so thankful for that and to make sure that we express that. And help us to notice the things and the people in our lives that are important to us and to not forget to say thank you. And as we do that, we trust that you We'll be faithful in those relationships. You'll bless those relationships. Those relationships will grow beyond what we could have asked or imagined, and that our relationship with you would be fuller as a result. We thank you, and we love you. Amen.